And hey, I want to uh, invite someone up here because it's their last weekend with us as leaders. Pastor Terry Kelly, his wife Alicia are moving to Rockford, Illinois. We announced this a couple months ago and boy, have they finished well. It's been almost four years now. I want them to come and just greet you and say what's on their heart and then we're going to pray for them. I really, it's my goal that we don't just uh, say goodbye today, but that they feel really sent off. Timberline will always be a part of their lives. They will always be a part of our lives. And we want to send them. That's what the Scripture teaches us about sending. So anyway, love you. And uh, bless your heart, Terry. God bless you. Share a little bit of what's on your heart, Alicia. Well, I've said in the other services that it was just about four years ago, I think, that we considered coming here. And at the time, I thought it was the biggest decision I was ever going to make because I was... um, quitting a full-time teaching job that I loved and um, leaving my parents behind, who were my built-in babysitters. And if you have kids, you know how convenient that can be. So I was concerned about coming out here and not knowing anybody and, you know, being stuck in the house. with That sounds terrible, but you know what I mean, right? So <laughs> I was worried about support, um, finding a support system. And so I just want you guys to know, in case you don't know that much about us, that we found that right away and... It's just been a really great four years. We've had um, a lot of things happen to just help us grow closer as a family, and most of that's due in part to just doing the ministry together. And, um, I, you know, it's enriched more than Terry to be here and to learn so many things. It's, it's helped our whole family. So we just want to thank you for the support. We will not turn around and walk away and never look back. We love this place. We love you guys, and we just want to say thanks for the support that you've given us the last three and a half years. Amen. Thank you, Alicia. Well, uh, you know, it's bittersweet today and um, really appreciate, you know, no, I was saying this in the last service that, uh, and not, you know, nobody is able to do leadership or do ministry, especially with a church this size, without somebody incredible uh, next to them. If, if you're married and your wife's not into it, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And so uh, I just wanted to thank her publicly because she's just been incredible through this time of, of transition. I'd been on the road for over 10 years. And so we had kind of gotten used to that lifestyle, had a couple of kids. And then uh, to come here was really different. And this is the most amazing person in the world because she can handle it. So enough about her. Anyway, um, <laughs> more about me. No. Uh, now, we really are thankful. You know, we've we thought this whole weekend, I've said this uh, in, on Saturday night in the service before, that uh, we're, I'm, I'm not really just celebrating at all, uh, you know, things, th- th- what we've done in the past three and a half years, as much as I'm celebrating the volunteers who have, who have come alongside and who have really been faithful and have really been uh, worked hard. You've probably, been, if you've been here this long, you've seen... Uh, musicians that have just gotten better and they've become not just better musicians but better worshipers and we become better worshipers together and that's an incredible thing so I, I'm, I'm really you know we have over 300 volunteers involved in Love Expresses Sound media, uh, worship teams choir, orchestra and they just are incredible people who, uh, who look for the face of God in, in worship so I just really celebrate them and I'm thankful for them I'm going to keep my ears open because I know Timberline has great days ahead of it I'm excited about the worship here I'm excited about what's going to happen because I just know God's hands on this place and uh, thank you I wanted to thank you publicly Pastor Derry for uh, allowing us to be on this journey inviting us three and a half years ago we're so shocked that it's you know God would call us you know something else so quick but uh, thank you and Bonnie 
for allowing us this time in our lives because we'll never forget it and we just won't forget so many people here. So bless you. Love you guys. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> we have a, we're going to miss you guys and Terry and Alicia both. Thank you for your involvement and thanks for taking us to a place and creating a culture of worship here. It makes a difference. And I just want to say for your integrity, your character, and for finishing well, You've just done a great job. That means a lot to all of us that you've, you've modeled that well. I do have a check for you just out of love from all of us to say we love you, but you don't get it till next service, so too bad. So. <laughs> He's afraid of what I might say. So. <laughs> that's why I'm preaching on Judas today, you noticed. No, just kidding. Okay, that's enough. That was low. I'm sorry. Give him a hand one more time. We love these guys. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what, when you can have fun with the people you work with, you know you're in a good place. And I'm really going to miss the friendship and just the, the joy it is to work with these guys. So enough of all of that. Every one of us in these auditoriums today have something in common. We have a lot of things in common. But one of the things we have in common is that all of us have made mistakes. Every, you can just, just look at someone right now and say, he's talking to you. Okay? All of us have made mistakes. We have all had moments that we wish we could just take that phrase back, that sentence back, that, that thought back. We've all had moments when we could take that action back. We, we all have struggled with something in our lives. We have all faced the opportunity for addiction in our life. We've all faced moments where if we're not careful, we're going to turn into something we never intended to be. That's the nature of walking in this flesh. Judas was a man who was tempted. He was a man who was loyal to Jesus. He loved Jesus, but he made a mistake. And it was a costly mistake. It was a big mistake. And it ended up so deep that he just couldn't even believe that he would give up his life. He couldn't live another day. Sometimes... That stuff takes us to a place of despair because we can't overcome the mistakes we've made. I want you to meet Craig Spellerberg right now. Craig, come on up here. Craig is one of our leaders um, in the Thursday night Celebrate Recovery. He has a fascinating story, and it fits so well with, in a way where Judas was because of the pain in Judas's life and the issues that he wanted to change. And so, Craig, thank you for giving us your weekend and, and talking to us. So tell us a little bit about your story, fascinating story. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. My name is Craig. I'm one of the uh, ministry leaders for Celebrate Recovery. And uh, I'm a little nervous, and uh, you would be too if you were standing up here. So, <laughs> uh, And it's an honor and privilege uh, to be part of this uh, part of this weekend. Uh, my story is kind of simple. Um, I used to drink alcohol. I used to drink a lot of alcohol. And when I was growing up, I never felt like I fit in, never felt like I knew the secret to life. Uh, one day during school, one of the cool guys uh, said he, he was heading out to a bar, asked me to go along. And I said, sure, I'll go. And uh, I remember my first drink, kind of fun, kind of exciting. And I had the thought, you know, I should do this more often. So I continued to drink, and I continue uh, to drink. And uh, the more I drank, the more fun and exciting uh, it became. And all of a sudden, I had a bunch of new friends, and I was being invited out to parties and events. And 
It was, uh, I had more confidence when I drank. It was easier to talk to girls. Girls were talking to me. And I thought, this is it. This is the secret to life, alcohol. You know, thank God for alcohol. And uh, now I was aware of people who drank way too much, uh, some family, some friends. And so I had, a, I had a list in my mind of things I would never do because I would not be like those people. And uh, the first thing on my list was is that I would only drink on weekends. Well, I started drinking during the week. And the next thing on the list was I would never drink in the morning. And so I started drinking in the morning. And then uh, the list uh, included uh, not go to work drunk. I went to work drunk. And the list also included, and this was the big one, I would never drink and drive. Well, I, I drank and drove. How else would I was, was I going to get to work? So um, I'm not proud of those things, but that's my truth. That's my story. And then things got worse. I started to hang out with people I know I shouldn't hang out with. I started going to places I know I shouldn't go, and I started doing things that I knew I shouldn't do. And that secret to life, alcohol, uh, it actually started taking over my life. And I was just along for the ride, and unfortunately I was bringing people who loved me uh, on, that same, on that same journey. Now, I'm not the, uh, the sharpest tool in the shed, and you can check with my wife later if you'd like. And, um, uh, but I, I figured, you know, something's not quite right here. So I started looking for help, and I went to, I went to therapy I went to psychiatry, and, uh, and that was helpful, and God bless those people for trying, but it, but it really didn't, it really wasn't the solution for me. So eventually, I found myself at a uh, 12-step program, and uh, eventually started working the 12 steps, at the same steps that we offer at uh, Celebrate Recovery, by the way, and it was by working those steps that things started to change, things started to happen. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and I knew there was a God. But until I worked the steps, I never felt the presence of God. And until I worked the steps, I never had a real relationship with God. And it's that real relationship that has uh, taken away my desire, my compulsion to drink. And, uh, and please hear me when I say, you know, I'm not a saint. I still make mistakes. I still make interesting choices. Again, my wife can verify this for you. Um, but I don't drink over those things. And in recovery, I've been dealt some really uh, tough stuff. Uh, I've, uh, I've experienced great pain. I've experienced huge loss. I've been exposed to things just horrific beyond my understanding. But I didn't drink over any of that. And in the past, those are the things that would have easily made me go for that first drink. Um, but because of my relationship with God, in fact, through the grace of God and through the 12 steps and, uh, and a bit of hard work on my part, I haven't had a drink since January 22, 1991. That's 20 years of continuous recovery. And all the glory goes to God. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Wow. Thank God for stories like this. Because, see, the truth is, it could have taken Craig's life. People die from alcoholism. People die from drug addiction. People die from the very things that they thought at one point was just having a good time. Judas never dreamed that his actions would lead to him taking his own life. Now, there's another application before we walk through these six things that I want everyone to hear. Some of you would never be suicidal, but you're grieving today. You're sad about something. Depression is a word that's become close to your heart. You're not sure how to get out of it. Those are the emotions I think we need to deal with today. And yes, we need to talk about this in church. Because just because we get Jesus doesn't mean that we never face hard obstacles or decisions in our life that cause us sometimes to go to that dark place 
that we all have. So open your heart today and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Judas was labeled. Before I read from Matthew 27, I just I need to say this. Every time Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John mention the name of Judas, we're close to every time, there are parentheses right after his name with a few words in the parentheses because they wrote these books, the stories of Jesus, after Jesus resurrected from the dead. So they knew that Judas was the one who had betrayed Jesus. So they constantly wrote, Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. So from the moment you and me, when we are exposed to the Gospels, the good news of Christ, we are conditioned to believe. The first time we read Matthew through, every time we read the name Judas, it has this fire attached to it, the one who betrayed Jesus. May I just propose that every one of us have a label, or the potential to have a label. Derry, what would my label be? Put your name there. What would your label be? But Jesus doesn't just see labels. And you need to have that going into this message. Matthew 27, verse 1. Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him. They led him away. And they they took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, He was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple. I I just wonder what that would have sounded like. I don't know if they were in a bag like this. I don't know if, if, if he carried I don't know if he flung the coins out and it, it rang across the temple. I don't know. I just know that he couldn't have this anymore. And he threw the silver coins and he went out, the Bible says, and hanged himself. Pretty sad ending. And it did not have to end that way. And that's something that I want you to believe today. Number one in your outline, follow along, jot some things down. What is my emotional response? When I make a mistake, some of you might say, well, I wouldn't know yet. Uh, I don't, I'm kidding. We've already admitted that we all have made mistakes, all right? So let's own that. We've all made mistakes. What kind of a response do you have when you make a, a mistake? I've been around people in ministry for years, and I, I've seen so many different responses. Probably one of the first norms that I see is that people are quick to blame someone else. Well, they shouldn't have said that. Or do you know what they did? You know, my side of the story. And, and, it, and all they're trying to do is justify what they did instead of just owning their part. And, and that happens all the time. It started in the garden, so we get it honestly. Adam and Eve, sin. God comes to visit them. Adam! God, that woman that you put in the garden with me, she made me do it. Eve, that serpent, that serpent that came to me and tempted me, that serpent made me do it. We always like to blame someone else. Or things like we minimize the damage or stress that we've created. We say things like, well, get over it. It's not that big a deal. We try to minimize it because we don't realize. That's exactly what sometimes happened. But Judas had a true realization. And that's what I want us to see. He was filled with remorse. He wasn't trying to make an excuse. 
He wasn't trying to blame anyone else. He literally felt remorseful. And he wanted somehow to be forgiven and to get rid of this, to put himself in a new place. But he just couldn't see the possibility of forgiveness in his life because what he had done in his mind was so horrific. You know, I grew up in a home where my parents, awesome Christian parents, there's five of us kids, two I have four sisters, two older, two younger. So I was in pretty much three quarters of all the family fights. Because I'm just in the middle there. You know what I mean? (laughs) So my parents would say things like this. Deary, tell Tammy you're sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? Tammy, tell Deary you're sorry. I'm sorry. Well, we didn't mean it, and we knew we didn't mean it. But it was still a good habit. Parents raising kids, make them say it. Because just saying it is a good thing. Okay? But how much different is that than me saying to someone I've offended or done something wrong, I'm truly sorry. I know this wounded you. When I accept, and that realization came over Judas, he's doing so many things right here. Number two in your outline. What are some of the challenges of trying to undo what has been done? What are some of the challenges of trying to undo something that's been done? Let me just read what it says in the second part of verse 3, because this is, this is exactly what happens. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared. I've, I have betrayed an innocent man. When he says that, he's trying to take the money back. He's trying to say, I don't want this anymore. I don't deserve it. It's terrible that I took it. He confesses his sin. He's doing everything right, but he can't undo it. Now I want to just illustrate something today because I think it's a really important illustration. I have some Coke here and I have some water here. How many of you are Pepsi people? How many of you are Coke people? See, we could split our church right here today. We have to be careful with this illustration. I'm kind of a Pepsi guy, so... You know, don't hold that against me. That's why I'm using Coke today. I would never waste a Pepsi for this. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You. I'm just going to pour. It's kind of like the Miracle Whip Mayo thing. How many of you are Miracle Whip people? Yeah, Mayo people. See, it's another one. My wife, we grew up, she was in a Mayo home. And I was in a Miracle Whip home. And I, I kept saying to her, honey, can't you get it? Miracle Whip, the name itself. God whipped out a miracle when he made this stuff. I mean, think about it. But it's not going to work. We have both. We have both. How many of you have both in your refrigerator? We do, because Bonnie's not very submissive, and she won't see it my way. So, Just kidding. Just having some fun. Hey, here's my illustration. Okay, This is very different than this. Now, if we decided that, that we're going to mix these, we need to think about that carefully. Because the reality is, if we do that, we're never going to get it back to this form. And we're never going to get it back to this form. Ever. Even just a little bit like that, just change that. A lot. But if you pour all of it in there and it dilutes it that much, this no longer is going to taste like you hope it tastes. If we pour this back and we say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Do we get the water back? Well, not in the form that it was in. And we're not going to ever separate it. And and that's a really important lesson for us because this is what Judas felt, you guys. He was in the tension of saying, 
I want the water back and I want this other back. I don't want it to look like this. I don't want it to feel like this. I don't want to have to do I want to undo it. Now I want to talk to teenagers, young adults, college students here today. It's why people like me, it's why adults in your life say things to you like, are you sure you want to go to that party? Are you sure you want to date that person? Are you sure that's what you want to do with your money? Why? Because we have life experience that sometimes we have made some mistakes with and we know you can't undo it. There's some scars represented in these rooms today. And oh, if you could take it back, you would, just like that. God's forgiven you. Don't dig all that back up right now. Don't do it. But the bottom line is we try to help others realize that you can't undo it. God can forgive you, but we still suffer the consequences of our actions. Forgiveness does not equal lack of consequence. Do you realize that? You guys, it's a huge thing. People think when they come to the Lord, all the consequences are gone, and they're not. You still may have to go to jail. You still, you still are going to have the scar. You still have to have retribution in the sense of the system or whatever it is. But you can be forgiven. Judas wanted to take it all back. Number three, the people, this is an interesting note that's in Scripture. The people who help get you into trouble rarely will help you out of trouble. How many of you are thinking of some names in your good old days? Yeah. Craig, it's pretty unlikely that Craig, that those people said, you're having a problem. We're going to go with you to a 12-step program. We're going to go, we're going to hold your hand. We're going to support you. Usually the people who get us into trouble and who are with, look at this in verse 4. Remember it says, I've sinned, he declared. I've betrayed an innocent man. Look at their response. They said, what do we care? That's your problem. What a, what a harsh reality, you guys. And that's where some of you feel like you are today. It's like, I got myself in this mess and I have to get myself out of it. Wrong. God is with you. God is knocking on your heart. Our independence keeps us from deliverance. Think about that. Judas could not get it in his head that there would be someone he could talk to. There would be someone who would help him. The people you hang out with, are they good for you? Um, you become like the people you hang out with. Once you mix together, you're, you're going you're gonna to have the traits of those people in your life. Who are you with that makes you a better person? Who are you with that deepens your character, that strengthens your in- integrity? I had a little thought that I wrote on my, my notebook just for me, but I want to say it to you. If we all have a dark side... Maybe we should work pretty hard to walk beside people who keep the light on. So that somehow it helps us and it nurtures something healthy in our lives. Number four, what causes our values to change? What causes our values, what, what puts us in a position where we say, you know, I need to think about this. And, and, and can people ever really change? Well... Craig's an example today, and many of you are an example that, yes, we can. Verse 5 says, Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple. Now, I find this intriguing because here's the question I want you to answer. Why did he accept the money and then throw the money back at them? Did the money change? 
monetarily? Is it worth less now? More now? Why, why did he once want it or take it, and now he doesn't want it anymore? It's because it represents a really bad decision. It represents everything he didn't want to be. And that sometimes happens in our lives with things. And we say, I just don't want that. It was later called blood money. Money that has been used in a way that caused someone to die. And now no one wants the money. See, I know in my life and and for all of us, we we have a logic plan of, of why we do what we do. Judas, some scholars, if you study the life of Judas, you'll come across scholars, theologians that say something like this. Judas never intended that Jesus would get killed. Uh, he loved Jesus. There's no way that he said, oh, I'm going to do something that will get Jesus killed. No, it never starts like that in our lives, these patterns. Judas, most believe, thought that if he would expose the place where Jesus was and they tried to arrest him, his power would be revealed and he would show them he is the Son of God. And his kingdom would come to earth right then. And Judas wanted that for whatever reason. He's the treasurer of the group. He handled the money. He was one of the twelve. He would probably have a prominent place in the new kingdom that Jesus would set up. So wherever his motives were, it wasn't to end up having Jesus dead. And, And I believe that that wasn't what he thought. And sometimes our values begin to change. He gives the money back. He says, what I've done is horrible. He realizes the depth in his life. And for some of you today... You need to realize that there is hope no matter what you have done, no matter how you feel. Number five, why did Judas take his life? Why did Judas choose to do this? It's a choice. Now, verse five says, Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and he went out and hanged himself. There's very little time between that moment in the temple And his regrets being so great that he went out into the darkness of night and hung himself. Why would he do that? He was so overwhelmed. The guilt, the shame, the pain. I believe we can go to dark places in our mind where Satan starts to put thoughts and plant thoughts in our mind. Things like, I think Judas felt, it's better if I'm dead. It would help everybody if I would just go away. It's a lie. But that's the logic of some. Others of you, it's not that you're suicidal. It's that you're just in this dark place and there's depression there. And it's attached itself. Despair, loss, feeling overwhelmed. These are real words. They can leave us empty. Judas is an example. Here's a guy who's been following Jesus He's seen miracles, but he has this one moment of despair and he can't climb out of the hole. Some of you who are in the hole today, may I just say, God has a plan for your life and you can overcome this situation. There are four things, and they're not in your, in your outline, but I'll just, they're real short. And I just want to say, how can I overcome some of the strong urges that I have to go to the dark side? Whatever that temptation, whatever that is. The first one is, Believe you are loved by God. You have got to have the discipline to say, I'm loved by God. Judas would not accept the fact that Jesus still loved him. He just would deny that. He was running away from that. You guys, I don't care how deep, how dark the place is that you are in. You are loved by God. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. God does. It doesn't matter what you do. God will never love you less. 
He's God. He's not human. He can do that when we can't. The second one is, He has a plan for you. I prayed with some people last night who said, I just have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And, and I'm scared and it makes me anxious. And I said, you don't know the plan, but God knows the plan. Will you trust Him? Not knowing what tomorrow holds, will you trust Him? Number three, guard your self-talk. We all talk to ourselves. And, and we have this incredible brain that God gave us that goes really fast. And when you're in that dark place, the things you start saying to yourself, the minute it's not healthy, I want you to grab that thought, as the Bible says, take it captive and be relentless with it and say, no, God, I'm not thinking that way today. Just get a hold of that thought. And then the last one is um, build the right relationships. Judas had no one that he felt he could go to, that he could just cry his heart out to. And I'm so sad for Judas in this story. I feel terrible that he got to such a low point that, that he just couldn't see himself living beyond his mistake. Number six, was it too late for Judas? No, it wasn't. Just a question. Was it the 30 pieces of silver that put Jesus on a cross? Go like this. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay, let's really break it down. Was it the betrayal of Judas that put Jesus on the cross? No, it wasn't. The Bible says that Jesus laid His life down because of His love. So sad. He didn't have to respond in this type of anguish. Jesus was going to lay His life down either way. You guys, you know that little parenthesis? I just want you to put your name there. Because what used to be Craig, alcoholic, has been moved away. Whatever label you think your name bears, God is greater than your labels. God is greater than your history. And God has a future for you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. That you never give up on us. You never give up on us. Thank you, God, that we don't have to go out and hang ourselves. Thank you that we don't have to live in that kind of darkness or despair. That we can have hope in this God who created us for more. Thank you. Lord, I pray right now by your Spirit that your Spirit would work into the deep soul of every man, woman, boy, and girl in these rooms they would feel your presence in a powerful way. Some of you just need to break before the Lord. You need to offer Him your pain. You need to own the fact that you can't fix it. You can't become good enough. You can't change it. But God can change you. And God can love you and walk you through it. That's my prayer for you. Now I'm going to ask you to be fairly personal. You don't have to look up here. I'm not going to ask you to come up. There's a side of me that wants you to just come up here and let me just hug you one by one so that Timberline can just put its arms around you today. But I'm not going to do that. But I am going to ask you to raise your hand. If you would say, I'm in a dark place. I don't mean suicidal. It might be, but that's not what you're raising your hand for. I'm in a dark place that feels hopeless. 
and I don't know what to do, and it's confusing, and I, I'm not going to be able to climb out of this hole. I need God today. I need something to change me that I can't do myself. If that's you, would you hold up your hand, please? We're going to pray over you. Church, help me pray for these. Would you join me? Lord, we love our brothers and sisters. I ask you now to reveal your spirit supernaturally into their mind, their spirit, man. That they would not be afraid to accept this moment, this moment of healing, this moment of truth. That they will be changed by the power of God. That their mind would be renewed. That they would know your presence is here now to change them, to walk with them. Father, I pray that you would give them hope today. That you know their future. You have plans laid out for them they know nothing of. May they find them by pursuing you. You first. Put other people in their life today, God, who will help them in the journey. I want to pray secondly over those of you that have some relationships that need to change. Maybe it's friendships. Maybe it's maybe it's someone that you're with in a dating relationship. And you say, I mean, do they really bring the best out in you? Is this someone that you really share God with? It's a big thing. It's a big thing friendships. God, I pray for those who need to make changes. Give them courage. Let it be in kindness and grace. Lastly, for those who just need forgiveness today, just say, forgive me, God. Maybe you've you've done some terrible, terrible things. It would embarrass you so much if people knew. It doesn't embarrass God. He already knows. And He loves you the same. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I need your cleansing. Help us, Lord, to own it and not to make excuses another day, but to ask for your forgiveness for our sins and to trust you for forgiveness and to change the parentheses of our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us first, for caring about us, for giving us a purpose to live for. We love you. As we walk out of these buildings, we just thank you for your presence going with us into this world. Let us be light amongst darkness. Show us how to let love live in a real tangible way. We thank you for your touch today in your name. Amen. Amen. The service begins now. Our prayer team is up here. If you want someone just to connect with or pray for you, come on up. Go by the tables. God bless you. Thanks for being at Timberline this weekend. Spoken. Yeah.